Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and you can't get a hold of anyone. With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up, guys? Hope you're having a good weekend. Sunday sampler, some highlights from some of the podcasts that you may have missed. The Bobbycast, Four Things with Amy Brown, Sore Losers, Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, Get Real with Caroline Hobby. On the Sore Losers, Lunchbox ran into a major celebrity in the world of sports. And then the guys played Good Dad or Bad Dad. You can hear that coming up in a second. On Get Real with Caroline Hobby, she sat down with singer-songwriter Sarah Beth Tate. Sarah Beth is awesome. She's also been on the road with Eddie and I. And in the Bobbycast, Riley Green stopped by the house. It was the longest that Riley and I have ever hung out. We were forced to sit there for an hour, but it ended up being great. Any other time, it's been very quick, like doing shows together. But man, I like this dude. I think you will too. So let's go first with the Bobbycast. And if you like this, go listen to that episode because maybe you just missed it or go subscribe to the Bobbycast. Here you go. The Bobbycast with Riley Green. Do you get any sort of flack for, how old are you now? 35, 36? Yeah. Um, I, I got married a couple years ago, but I was 39 when I got married. And everybody back home was like, you're broken or gay because you're not married. Because everybody yeah. where I was from was, you, you got married at 19, 20, I mean, not you. Oh, like, yeah. No, I'm a, everybody, my, my parents and, yeah. They were convinced something that I was off, like, like it, intellectually or that I just, they were like, it's okay if you're gay. I'm like, I'm not gay. <laughs> and if I was, I would tell you. And but I've been called a lot of things, but. But it's like uh, I was 39 and you're 35. Yeah. I, I think that now it's probably at least everybody that knows me personally has seen what my lifestyle is like in the sense of how much I'm gone. I mean, I don't have regular relationships with my friends. But what about at home? Are they like, Riley, why are you not, why are you not married? Because at home, they don't see probably what your travel life, my mom didn't see what my travel life was like. Yeah, my mom, my mom has my calendar. She, oh, she does. So she, yeah, she's, <laughs> my mom is, has been really great about that. It's like maybe early on, I'm sure she had a little bit of that and was worried about me, you know, finding somebody or whatever. But now I think she just knows that, this is such a timely point in my career. I've obviously been very blessed and have accomplished things I never thought I would, but there's also a lot of opportunity that comes with that. And I just kind of had in my head when I was going to sign a record deal to just put my nose down and, and grind it out and do everything they asked me to do, anything I could for a couple of years, which that's stretched into five now. But uh, I, I think they get that, and I, I don't see a lot of pressure. I think that my lifestyle is going to have to change to where I go from playing 
you know, 120 shows a year to 60. But and what's, what's going to make that happen though? Uh, like, like what's, what's a fact? That's a great question because I, I, cause it's, you know, as you well know, it's up to me. Yep. I mean, I could turn down anything I want to, uh, I don't know. I, I hope it's just uh, something clicks and we get to a place where I can say, this is the budget for the year. This is how many shows we can go do. And I'm happy with making this much. And this is the career I'm going to have from this. Uh, and maybe that's from, you know, a lot of opportunities not being available that are right now. I, I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's uh, probably one of the more scary things about it is knowing that with this type of travel schedule and lifestyle, I don't really have much chance of meeting somebody and how much things are going to have to slow down for me to get to that place, you know. It's also a momentum-based industry. Very much. It's such a battle to stay relevant. Right. Probably now more than ever because of all the avenues of new music and, and new artist discovery or whatever that is. So it feels like if you let up by letting something else in, regardless of what it is, yeah. if it's you want to go away for three months to hunt or if you want to have a serious relationship, like you're like, well, if I dedicate – this is the struggle that I went through. If I dedicate my time to this, then oh, this is going to suffer. And so I – I was never going to get married. Just, I was just like, you know what? I'm never going to have time for it because I also, I feel like I am, I have a huge imposter syndrome. And like, if I don't keep going, I'm never going to get back to this level. And then I met my wife and it was like, she kind of bossed me out of it. And for the first time ever, I let her because I was happy that I met a person that as much as I was annoyed by it, I was more annoyed by the fact that maybe she wouldn't be there. And it yeah. was the only time. And I dated, but I mean, it was, you know, I had my move to Nashville. Holy crap. I never got girls. And I got all the girls at once. That, that, that it, was, it, was, it was wild. And then it was, but this is weird. And then I was like, I'm never getting married. Who cares? And then I met my wife and I was like, man, I really don't want to slow down. But worse than that, I don't want to like lose her. That's whomever. I don't even know you're, you're, you're never been married, right? Never been married. No. Anything. no. That's what be, because you're not going to ever go. I only want to make this much money this year. Yeah, I I just, uh, you know, it, it's a really funny thing to say probably to my buddies back home from the outside looking in because they're like, oh, man, Riley meets home, but where do you really meet a girl at? You know what I mean? I'm not, where do you get to invest time in a human? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, social media is probably, whereas some people would use that to meet people, it's the opposite for me because how do you really use that, you know, with a, uh, what I do for a living? So it's it's an interesting thing. I like I said, I, I've... Uh, I mean, I used it, but it wasn't for good, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, no, I no, used no, it, but it wasn't... Not for meeting somebody to marry. I'll right. That, it wasn't, no. like, long-term investment. <laughs> the girls really. I've met on Instagram uh, probably watch wrestling. And <laughs> Their mom probably let them watch wrestling, so it would never work. Or they were wrestlers. Uh, but, no, I, I, I've uh, I've had a couple of years where we've said, man, let's take off November and, and, and let me, you know, go hunt, just kind of disconnect and write whatever, and we've never taken one off. So, I it'll 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 be that. I think that I've... I've guaranteed myself a career that's more than I've ever thought I would have. Uh, but at the same time, there's just so much opportunity. And I think the only thing that makes me nervous about my career is not making the absolute most of it, you know, so, not getting every opportunity that I can. And, and But you're never going to get every opportunity. Uh, you can. Yeah. You're never going to be able to get every, to every opportunity. I had to, I don't know if you've, if you go to therapy at all, but. God dang. I thought I, that's what this was. I know. It's, it's probably what this is. Pool house like, therapy, man. I thought I, that's what I, we were doing. I go to like, I have my, we go to a couples counselor and I go to my own. And he was like, because I, I would say that, and I'm a little older than you, so I would be like, if I don't take advantage of everything, 
And he's like, you'll never be able to take advantage of everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're, you're running on a hamster wheel that you can never get to go fast enough to actually matter. Uh, yeah, I think that it's a little bit of an overthinking type thing. I will say I'm mindful that I, there's nothing that I, I feel like I'm going to miss, if that makes sense. Like, if if my career panned out right now and it is what it is, I can go play shows for the next 15 years, I would still be very excited about that. So it's not like I'm going to be leaving something on the table. I just know there's opportunity right now, and it's almost like, I'm sure you were the same way, when I'm sitting around, I'm thinking, man, what could I be doing? You, you, know, feel and, guilty, you ever feel guilty and, and for doing nothing? That's pretty tough to explain to a girl. Let's say you've gone on a couple of dates with, and she wants to know why you have a day off and you want to go write, or you want to go do this or that. You know, And for me, it was hunting. That was a really hard thing to explain. Like, Why would you want to go sit in the woods by yourself after being on the road for 80 days this year? And I haven't found the answer to that. With Amy Brown. Hey, it's Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. And here's what we talked about this week on my podcast. The first thing that we're going to do here is messing up at work and like how to not let it completely get you down because I just messed up big time on the podcast. I thought it was just going to be between me and Morgan Massengill, who was my guest. And it was actually for the fifth thing earlier this week. She ended up not being my guest. If you listened to that, you didn't hear her because, well, we recorded it in Bobby's office, which is where we are right now. And she shared a lot about her dating life. Well... I did not have her microphone up. And so the audio is just me. Oh. So that's not going to work. It's tough. So I thought, well, this is just between me and Houston, my producer, and Morgan. I informed her. And she was like, oh, good, because I feel like I overshared. So maybe this is a good thing. So Lunchbox found out about it. And then he brought it to the Bobby Bone Show yesterday as a bonehead story of the day. And I thought, okay. Well, now everybody knows, and I feel as though I am a professional in this field. I've been in radio for almost 18 years. I should know what I'm doing. I should check levels and volumes, and sometimes you make a rookie mistake. But then when they brought up the bonehead story of the day, and that I was a bonehead for doing that, they brought up a couple of other times where I have messed up on the podcast. I'll say even the best of the best make mistakes. Well, so I would love for you to share a time maybe you've messed up at work. And then if anybody else has messed up at work, I'm going to go through a guide to help you move forward after your mess up. And maybe you don't mess up at work. Maybe you've messed up in a friendship or a relationship or something else. But it's looping in your head like you're a failure. What's wrong with you? You're an idiot. You're so stupid. That's my narrative. Yeah. (laughs) How do you even have this job? So do you have any mess ups at work or are you perfect? No, I mean, I feel like I mess up every day. And for me, the thing that has always helped, and I'm like, as I get a little more wise each year that passes, is like identifying it and just owning it really early. Because if I let it fester, then I go down that rabbit hole that you were just talking about. But I, I would say my typical mess up where I'm catching myself is I say what I'm thinking out loud a little too abruptly. Well, just matter of fact. 
when I'm like, Ooh, I need to like filter that a little bit in the trust circle. Cause they might receive that as criticism when I'm trying to, you know, get feedback. Yeah, you bet. So, I mean, that's a consistent, like, Oh crap, I messed up in my head. This is how you move on after you've messed up at work or maybe just messed up in general. I feel like this could even apply to parents. Sometimes we mess up <laughs> and you maybe react in a way with your kids you didn't want to or you're not proud of. And so this could, I think, apply to that as well. Step one, allow yourself to feel awful about it, but not for too long. So yeah. like, don't just stuff it down. Be like, okay, I can feel bad about this. And the volume down on the podcast microphone, again, that's not a big deal, is it? However, I respect people's time. And Morgan sat here for 30 minutes and took time out of her day to do that. And so then I felt bad for her wasting her time. But then when all of your coworkers who all have their own podcasts and clearly they check to see if the volume's up, it's just another little like it kind of like whack-a-mole. Like sometimes you get up and then it's like you're not feeling that great about yourself anyway. And then boom, you get whacked down. You're like, because sometimes I wonder, why am I here? What am I even doing? And then that sort of solidifies like, well, just whack me down and be like, I knew I wasn't supposed to be here. But that's not always the narrative in my mind. But sometimes it can be for sure. sharing with you that I have those thoughts. Step two, keep things in perspective, which I feel like that's what I just did yeah. a little bit. So you can walk through that for yourself. Step three, confront your worst case scenario and then let it go. Why are you giving big eyes to Patrick? So we had uh, some conversation yesterday when we were flying over that leadership in our company, sometimes it's my job specifically to anticipate kind of the worst and maybe think about more of the negative, like what could go wrong just in case something doesn't work out. We have kind of a quick plan of action, but sometimes in our conversation, it can come across like I'm pretty negative. And so we were just talking through that this morning. I said, Hey, we talked about it, planned through it. I'm going to put that back on the shelf. And now we're just going to focus on the good and the positive. But I mean, that's something we've talked about a lot because sometimes, you know, as the leaders, you have to anticipate what could go wrong. Well, I'm glad you bring that up because that's actually step four, create a game plan for next time. And my game plan this time was before we sat down to record, I went and got my headphones <laughs> so I could make sure we are all yep. good to go. And sounds like that's what y'all do at your company. Step five, apologize if you need to, but don't overdo it. I apologize to Morgan. Okay, we're step six, take better care of yourself. <laughs> and I was reading more in the article about this. And it was like, if you're taking care of yourself, you can be on your A game. We should be treating ourselves like professional athletes, like worrying about our sleep, our work, our, our fuel, how we're training, all the things, and then you notice more clarity and fewer errors in your life if you are training like an athlete, which does make me think of how Bobby always says he's always training, like stay ready, never got to get ready. You got to have a little pain to have a little gain. And I think there's truth in that. And to what you're saying, I mean, to better yourself, sometimes you got to go through hard things, but in coming out of that, you got to identify, because I realize not taking care of myself doesn't allow me to show up for the people that rely on me. Cause I was just going to a point of exhaustion thinking like, I got to do what I need to do to serve everyone and make sure. And I'll say that like self-righteously, but you know, the people that rely on me that I do what I need to, to make sure they have what they need and that we're having success. And, but man, it whipped me last year. So I'm learning. Yeah. And I have to learn how to <laughs> make sure I've got content for my listeners. They're showing up. I, you know, serving them in a way with something, which I still 
learned later in the afternoon, I had no episode and I went upstairs when I was at home and I recorded something. So something went up and it just wasn't what I had spent time with Morgan on. And so I still felt that it was important, but had I been on my A game, who knows? Maybe I wouldn't have messed up with Morgan. Yeah. There you go. If you've messed up in any way, shape or form, there's your guide to get over it quickly. Oh, I didn't go back to, did I? Seven step, earn back your trust through your actions, not just your words. Boom. No. That's step seven. That's we'll, good. We'll wrap with that one. And I feel like I'm already earning back trust. I came in with my actions, put my headphones in, checked the volume, and here we are. Crushing it. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's do it live. We are the one, two, three, sore losers. What up, everybody? I am Lunchbox. I know the most about sports, so I'll give you the sports facts, my sports opinions, because I'm pretty much a sports genius. What up, y'all? It is Sizen. I'm from the north. I'm an alpha male. I live on the west side of Nashville with Baser, my wife. We do have a white picket fence at the apartment complex. Soon, I'm going to have 2.5 kids. And yes, sadly, I will die of a heart attack when I'm 72 years old. Here's a clip. 
from the last podcast. We're going to play a game. It's called Good Dad or Bad Dad. Ray, this is about me. I left my kids in a hot car. Nope, it's not about me. It's about a teacher hooking up with a student. Okay? She got arrested for hooking up with a high school student. She's a high school teacher. Right? The only problem is the dad of the student got arrested also because he knew about the relationship. Wow. So she came over to the house and was like, I want to bang your son. Were you going to tell me this was crime podcast? Of the top 100 podcasts right now in the country, the biggest handle, the biggest market share is crime podcasts. Over to you. So my question is, is that a good dad or a bad dad? Well, originally he knew about it, didn't disclose what he knew, then was found out and caught by an um, unbelievable investigation. Yeah, Missouri teacher accused of sexually hooking up with a teen, and the father knew. So here's the thing. Back in the day, you couldn't tell these timelines, but now with text messages, you're able to find when the dad found out. Back in the day, you could have said, oh, the dad just found out after the fact. Now you know the dad knew about it for months, and so then he gets in trouble too. Because of Apple text messages, the ring camera on your doors crimes are able to go more in depth than they've ever been able to. Yeah, the reason they got busted is because the 16-year-old had scratches on his back from one of their sexual encounters, and he showed a picture of his scratches to one of his friends, said, check out what she did to me while we were hooking up. And the friend told authorities? Yes. Damn, that friend, man, first of all, not a friend anymore. That's going to end their friendship. They're now foes. Yeah, a second witness told investigators that the student's father had been told by both the teacher and the teen about the relationship. And the witness claimed to authorities that the teacher and the alleged victim used student lookouts while they had sex during school. That's one step deeper. I mean, they had someone standing guard outside the door, so when someone was coming, bang on the door. Dude, what subject did she teach and? Usually, dude, our teachers always tried to act more mature. These teachers now are kinky. The father said he did not stop the relationship because he believed they would continue to have the relationship behind his back anyway. The father was charged with first degree endangerment, the welfare of a child. So my question, good dad or bad dad? Is he being the cool dad? Like, oh, dude, you're hooking up with this hottie ass teacher. Like, she ain't bad looking, dude. Yeah, it's definitely bad dad. It must it's it was a high school, so maybe she's she's probably not that much older than the kid. No, she's only 26, he's 16. Yeah. But he's less than 18, so that makes it bad. No, no, I under, I understand why it's illegal, but is he good dad or bad dad? It's bad dad. I mean, it wasn't just one time where the uh dad felt, "Oh man, I'm making a bad decision." I mean, it must have been a lot of times where he goes, man, should I really let this continue going on? Because I'm thinking the dad's like, man, this is so cool. My teacher, my 16-year-old's hooking up with a hottie. And maybe the dad's thinking, maybe one day I'll get to hook up with the hottie. Dude, no, nah, not that. Or Pops, hey, kid's happy. I'm happy. He's getting good grades. Yeah, there's the dad. <laughs> yeah, he just looks like he DGAF. <laughs> Doesn't give a damn, right? I mean, I thought that was a crazy story that he just let her... I don't know. I mean, I guess you go bad dad. Bad dad. One-time occurrence. Hey, man, take this to your grave. Don't ever tell anybody about it. I'll hold I'll hold your secret. 
But if it continues, you're going to get found out. You can do anything for one time. You, once you get to like 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, that's when you get in trouble. Yeah. All right. Hey, it's Mike D. And this week on Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, I got to talk to the director of Wonka. Came out last year with Timothy Chalamet. I love this movie, so I was super excited to get to talk to him about the process of making that movie, about casting Timothy Chalamet. And I also got to talk to Kayla Lane, who plays Noodle in the movie. So maybe you still haven't seen the new Wonka, but if you're like me and are a big fan of the original movie, I think you'll enjoy this interview. Be sure to check out this week's episode to hear it in its entirety. But right now, here's my interview with Paul King, the director of Wonka. How are you, Paul? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Good to get to talk to you. The original Willy Wonka is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. So I hold it very precious. And after seeing Wonka, I completely loved it. And I have to imagine it was such a hard thing to do. And the thing I want to start with first is I love the way Timothy Chalamet portrayed Wonka. Did you have that vision first before he was cast or was he cast and then that vision happened and it came to life? Well, that's a really good question. Um, uh, first of all, thank you. That means a huge amount to me because the original Willy Wonka is, is right up there for me too. And it's a daunting experience to kind of walk in those footsteps. I think when when I started working on the movie, I'd been fortunate enough to meet Timothy in that kind of year where he did Call Me By Your Name and, and, and Lady Bird and knew what a wonderful actor he was. And um, I really wanted to write something for him. And so pretty much from the second uh, David Hamer suggested a young Willy Wonka film to me, I was like, well, that could be Timothy Chalamet. So there's obviously never a guarantee that you're going to get the actor that you want. But uh, in my head, I, I sort of went, well, him or someone like him, I don't know who there is like him, would be absolutely wonderful in this world because he feels so sort of mercurial but he's also emotionally grounded and slightly unknowable and he has that whole sort of range and I felt that he could feel like a young a younger Willy Wonka or you know Gene Wilder 20 years before the events of that movie like it felt like there's a sort of kinship there somehow but without doing an impression and um uh you know once we've written this script and sort of sent it to him it's it's a nerve-wracking moment because you sort of go if it's not you i really don't know who it could have been and i i, I thank my lucky stars he said yes you mentioned gene wilder there and i gotta imagine when you're you know have this vision of this movie in your head there's all these things you want to pull from the original was there anything that you didn't get to put into this movie that you wanted to from the original? Either it was too expensive or it just didn't work or it just didn't make sense. There was one bit we tried to do the forward roll and the pop up thing. And it felt it just felt a little shoehorned into the moment. It was felt like a kind of an Easter egg for the sake of an Easter egg. And um, and we, we didn't do it in the end because it felt like it was it was there for fans rather than because it didn't serve the story. So I think but what was so funny was how much kind of went in and some of it where it went in and I'd kind of forgotten where it had come from. But, you know, obviously I, I sort of imbibed the original so much that it was sort of like would come out and you sort of go just little bits of choreography and little gestures. And we always kind of were aware of it on set where you go, oh, you could do the cane thing and you could do the step thing. And and this is the coin and the storm drain. And, and I think some of the kind of building blocks, it was kind of really looking at that that movie and, and, and the original book and go, here's the kind of this is like the playground you're in. Now, now go play with the toys. I think my favorite shot out of the entire movie, like I'm just a stickler for cinematography. And when I see a great shot, I just make a note of it. The one shot I made a note of, it's whenever there's that great silhouette of Timothy Chalamet. You really just see like the shadows on his face and the outline of the hat. How much time 
goes into just getting that one shot. Probably too much for that shot. That was, uh, I mean, I, I love that shot so much, but it was, uh, it was, it was actually a find on the quite near, uh, like on on the day. I think that um, we had the shot of him from behind with the behind the doors, like when he opens the door and walks out, and that was going to be our hero shot. And we were setting it and went, oh, there's a lovely, there's found that there was this lovely profile. And uh, Chung Hing Chung, my incredible cinematographer. Uh, the, we we then went. This is a lovely angle, but we kind of wanted to get both, and we were sort of trying to get it. And then we went, okay, we're going to have to stop everything and get this silhouette perfect because <laughs> it could be the shot of the movie. And uh, and I do remember we filmed it, and it was like we, we sort of did one where he goes, "Here we go, Mama," and I was like, "That's definitely how the trailer is going to start." And then <laughs> lo and behold, there it is. <laughs> the thing about this movie is that it feels oddly nostalgic for me. And I was born in the 90s, so even the original came out was before my time. But there are so many different generations of Willy Wonka fans. You have the people who discovered it maybe in the 2000s, the people who love the original. And then it's a family movie at the same time. How do you walk that line of making a movie that's appealing to kids, but also appealing to the adults who are just lifelong fans? Yeah, it's 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 funny how that it, it is interesting because it's definitely uh, I think most kind of like known characters are known through one iteration, you know, like you sort of go Iron Man. say so you go most people will have come to it through the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man, you know, or you sort of go there, there will be some comic book fans, but you sort of go there's one kind of hero iteration. Willy Wonka really isn't like that, as you say, because there's the book which has an army of fans around the world, one of the best selling children's book of all time. You've got two absolutely beloved movies. And um, it's it's really tricky to kind of uh, to, to sort of walk that line. And I, I guess what I realized early on was you sort of have to pick pick your pick your hero references. And for me, it was like the book, first and foremost, because that's the kind of the mothership. And I didn't want to do anything that wouldn't kind of sit comfortably with that. And then the the, the Gene Wilder movie is so in my DNA. I mean, I was born in the 70s, but I, I really grew up with that movie as, as my Willy Wonka. So, and there were so many iconic choices they made that I, I kind of wanted to honor. In terms of like balancing kids and, and grownups, I sort of, for me, my favorite family movies and my favorite movies probably in general are, are movies that can, can appeal to everyone. And I, I never really try and go, here's a bit for the kids and here's a bit for the grownups. Just try and make something that's as uh, exciting and fun for everyone. You know, it, it's kind of, um, I think my co-writers, Simon and I, we try to make each other laugh and find things that we find emotional or funny or silly or eccentric or, you know, um, touching. And, uh, and, and if it works, pray that there are enough people out there with our sense of humor and sentiment. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us. 
ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah Yeah Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Caroline Hobby from Get Real with Caroline Hobby, and here is a clip from this week's episode. All right, I'm so excited to be back with another bonus episode of Call Caroline, where you, the listener, leaves your burning questions. I have Sarah Beth Tate joining me, and also, just so you know, you can call and leave a message. Um, go to the link of this podcast and then hit the show notes and there's a link to leave a message because I know you got a burning question. So are you ready, Sarah Beth? We had a great interview on Monday. I think, I think I'm ready. <laughs> and so now let's see what people got to say. Hi, Caroline and Sarah Beth. I was wondering if the two of you could chat a little bit about work-life balance for moms. Um, I think that there are a lot of demands on moms these days to show up for their kids and their families, but also be all over their career and showing up for that as well. How do the two of you overcome some of those obstacles? How do you find the balance between your personal life and your work life? That's a good question. Mm. You're, yeah. you're crushing the game on that. So you go, no, you go. No, first. no, no, no. I, I'm, I hear you on the pressure to, um, like I said, I mean, I fully believe that we can, do all the things that we're passionate about. And, and being a mom doesn't mean that we can't do the other things. But I also do feel like we put a lot of pressure as moms to, you know, there's the mom guilt either way. So there's the mom guilt if you're staying home. There's the mom guilt if you're gone. Um, we're kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't, honestly. Exactly. And we do that to ourselves. Um, but I, th I think the balance for me has been in 
always doing, always doing what I feel like is right for Isla um, and making sure that she's fully taken care of and fully has me or Colby or some, you know, always having what she needs and that she's taken care of and then letting myself, you know, not putting that pressure on myself um, and just, you know, being present the days that I'm gone, being present in that, being being extra present the days that I'm home. Um, yeah. And just, yeah. Trying to get by honestly week to week. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. I know. I do feel you on that because it was like, I feel like my, like my mom's generation, I've talked to my mom about this before. It's like her generation was the first generation where they were like coming out of the stay at home, leave it to beaver. You mm-hmm. know, we're like, you're, you really aren't a career woman. Yes. You know, it's hard to have a job. You're supposed to raise the family and stay at home and all of that. And then like, mm-hmm. I feel like my mom's generation kind of like started finding their way a little bit. And then there was like this next generation, which would be kind of like mine, um, where it's like, you got to be a boss. You got to be a, you know, you got to girl boss. match the man, the girl boss. Like you got to prove that you can hang in there. And then it's like, I feel like Taylor Swift is doing a great example of showing us this. It's like, you want to have a relationship and have that part of your life and that feminine part of your life as well as being able to carry this big career. And it's yes. like, you want to be able to be both, you know, yes. like, but I don't feel, I don't feel like, I think the, the pressure comes when we feel like we have to be perfect at all of those things and do it all at the same time. Yes. And that one takes away from the other, because that's where like the guilt starts creeping in of mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, like, I, you know, what if I'm being a bad mom today because I'm doing this? Or what if, uh, you know, what if today I'm missing out on being the girl boss that I should be because I'm home with my daughter? And it's like, let it, for me, letting go of all the labels of all of that and just really, <laughs> since she was born, week to week, day by day, it's literally like, okay, here's the schedule for this week. It's always different in yeah. this crazy industry. And yes. it's like, doing the things that matter both at home and in work and, you know, figuring that out with your partner mm-hmm. and trying to just truly do what feels right for that week. Yeah. <laughs> and then not worrying about like the next week and the week after that. Yeah. And like we said earlier, I don't know if we said this on the podcast or just talked about it, but your bandwidth, like you, when you do become a mom, like you only have bandwidth for stuff that truly matters because yes. like I could just be home doing nothing but if I'm with Sunny that is very important work mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because you're and with being, your child and being present and yes and not being distracted yes and and I think you know that too is like okay so if I spend the day um playing with jumbo size Legos and singing Elmo songs all day that is important work to me. Yes. That is worth my time. It's worth all your time. And I'm not going to spend that night scrolling on Instagram feeling like I missed out on something because I didn't. Because you're present with your daughter. Yes. Showing her that you show up for her yes. and that she's the only thing that matters and you, mm-hmm. that she has your full focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just picking. It's like making choices. Like you don't do everything that you did before for your career probably. It's yeah. a lot more selective. And then, and then other days... I'm leaving her with someone that I know and trust and love. And that person is present with her and taking care of her. And she knows that mama's coming home mm-hmm. and she knows that she's going to have a fun day. And I am doing something that matters. Yes. That is important to me that day. And I'm not going to feel guilty about right. doing that. Right. I love that. Just being super intentional. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really the best way to balance it. Being super intentional, intentional, prioritizing what really matters, how much time you need. Mm-hmm. Like I know how much time I need to be with Sunny to make, sh- to fill my personal cup and her cup. Like if, mm-hmm. if we don't have enough time, like she acts different. She's yes. more emotional. Like she even like developed stomach aches when like I was sending her to school a little longer and she started developing stomach aches of like anxiety. And I'm like, <sighs> you know, like you can just tell when they just need to be with you more. And I want to be with her all the time, yeah. but it's like, you also have to prioritize yeah. your gift and your passion, and your talent and your job. And so mm-hmm. I think, yeah, just being and super I, intentional. Well, and like you just said, I think you, I think you can feel if your balance is off yes, too. And you can we, feel it. We have definitely had, I mean, there, there are phases. I think it's just an ebb and a flow. You know, you go through phases where you're like, whew, this, we got to figure something out here because this balance is off yeah. and this is not how we want this to feel. And I think in those moments, you just have to recalibrate mm-hmm. and figure out what works and what doesn't. But there is no script for this. Let me tell <laughs> no. you, like you, oh my gosh. It's constant pivoting all yeah. the time. Literally, it's like juggling bananas. I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing Same. half the time. Ever. <laughs> Never any idea. I'm like, how did we get through this week? I don't, I don't know. We just did. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a haze. It's a blur. Yeah. But I do feel like working mama is like, it is definitely, it's, it's a constant, like, like you said, it's a day-to-day constant thing and you just have to be intentional and you're not always going to get it right. You know, sometimes yeah. you're going to give more time to work. Sometimes you're going to, you know, give more time and you're going to not give your work what you need, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like you said, recalibrating, being able to just like change it all the time. Mm-hmm. That was the Sunday Sampler. Go check out a new podcast or maybe you missed an episode of one of the little samples here. New episodes are out weekly. If you don't mind, subscribe. And I know you probably don't rate and review, but if you did on these podcasts, it would really help us. Thank you. See you next week. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.